Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on the dawn of a new era of party politics in this country. And if you believe that, I've got some swamp land in Florida to sell you. It was, however, a day when both main parties took a kicking from the voters over their miserable handling of the Brexit debacle. So far, it looks like the Tories are on course to lose hundreds of seats, possibly over a thousand, all across England. But even Labour are losing seats as well. The big winners appear to be the Lib Dems, who are already crowing that this is their biggest win in a generation and they are practically preparing for government. Well, we've heard all that before, I'm afraid. Uh, we'll be talking to Joe Swinson coming up a little bit later on uh, from the front bench of the Lib Dems. She'll be telling us, no doubt, that this proves uh, that Brexit uh, is an issue which the Lib Dems are winning on uh, because they want to stay part of the European Union. She'll also assure us that this will be extrapolated into a general election, which, of course, it won't. Our team will be analysing the votes as they are counted throughout the morning and we'll bring you all the results as they happen throughout the day. Prime Minister Theresa May and Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn are preparing to address their respective troops later on today. Prepare yourself for an avalanche of spin and some lame attempts at putting a gloss on it all. And quite frankly, that's going to be pretty difficult indeed. The fact will remain that nothing can hide the frustration of the electorate. Many ballot papers were spoiled with just the words Brexit written across them. But the big question is, has anything really changed? We'll be asking George Pascoe Watson, senior partner at Portland Communications, former political editor of The Sun. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we'll also be examining the common sense verdict of the year when a coroner ruled yesterday that a pensioner killed a burglar in his own home entirely lawfully. I've always believed that any level of violence should be allowed when you are being invaded by criminals inside your own home and I'm glad to see that finally lawmakers are agreeing with me. 0344 499 1000 and we will also be asking you if you've ever botched any odd jobs at home or in someone else's home because apparently loads of people don't even know how to do the odd odd job and because it's Friday it's time for another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting this week. I'm looking forward to winning quite a few of them. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are here until 1 o'clock, 0344. 499-1000, a pretty bad night uh, for the Tory party. Not a very good night for the Labour Party either. Ross Kempsell joins me now. Uh, he is, of course, Talk Radio's political editor. Uh, Ross, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Um, much expected, I suppose, from the Tories' point of view, but as Katie Perry has said to me this morning, Jeremy Corbyn looked a bit more shell-shocked, really, uh, about the way Labour have done. Let's recap where we are, Sue. We have declared 114 of the 259 councils in England which are up for election. These are mostly outside London. Um, There are also 11 local authority areas in Northern Ireland up for election. So that is the state of play. As it stands, the Conservatives have lost 430 uh, sorry, 450 seats, mm. Labour down 74. The Lib Dems, with the biggest success story of the night, up 308 seats in raw terms. The Greens have had a good night, up 41 seats in raw terms. UKIP down 54 seats, a bad night. I think it's fair to say for UKIP and Independent and other parties uh, in total up 229 seats. So that's that's the issue with seat totals. What I would expect to develop in the remainder of the day, we have had about... 65% of the councils which are Tory controlled uh, already declaring so we're now going to see fewer councils changing hands but we're likely to see the Conservatives lose more seats as we go through the day Right. and the watchword for the Conservatives will be whether that total that number of lost seats from 450 creeps up into four figures if that approaches a thousand lost seats I think that is a bad bad result for the Conservatives and that's even by their own estimations Uh, internally I can tell you that the Conservatives were hoping to lose between 500 and 700 seats Uh, it looks like they're on track for a lot more than that Mm. and if that happens I think that's a particularly bad night on Labour which we were mentioning well for Labour it's about geography rather than raw numbers Jeremy Corbyn is failing to uh, essentially convert the t- the key target councils in seats that he would need at a general election. So Walsall, for example, Stoke-on-Trent, these were key Labour targets. They've been retained. 
uh, Bolton, Dudley, Thurrock, Swindon, these were all key Labour uh, asks at this uh, local election and they've either retained or uh, by the Tories or are still in no overall control. Mm. So I think for, for, for Mr Corbyn, this is about what has happened uh, in the context of a general election. For the Tories this afternoon, it's about stemming the flow. For the Lib Dems, it's really about whether this translates into a broader yeah. resurgence. The Lib Dems coming from their lowest historic base on the last set of local elections, but nobody can uh, take away from them their performance last night. No, certainly it's quite a comeback. In fact, now we're going to talk to Jo Swinson, Deputy Leader of the Lib Dems, to find out uh, just how pleased she is. Joe, congratulations. Very good morning to you. Thank you. And it is a very good morning. A very good morning for uh, liberal democracy in the widest sense and uh, Dem councillors and campaigners up and down the country who have uh, got uh, well-deserved uh, victories last night. Yes, I mean, I suppose two things to mention. As Ross said there, you're coming back from, from not a very good result last time around, so a bit of a low base. But also the question really is whether this translates into anything more than a bit of a blip during the middle of a very, very poorly run government. Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is this is a stunning night for the Lib Dems. And, you know, you can't have it both ways. People pointed to our uh, results previously and said that just shows the Lib Dems are dead and, you know, they're not going to be a force to be reckoned with. And then they now use the same results to say, oh, well, you know, they were always going to come back. Of course, that was uh, inevitable. So, look, this is a great Lib Dem uh, comeback and uh, and it is a Lib Dem fight back absolutely continues. Uh, clearly, there is a government that is in a shambles. But what we also have is an opposition that is completely completely failing. I mean, they're locked in talks with the government at the moment to try to bail them out, in words of a, a Labour MP last night. And, you know, they're, they're basically Labour and the Conservatives are, you know, messing up this Brexit process. And, you know, so Brexit supporters are not happy with them. And for those like myself who passionately believe that Britain's best place is in the European Union, Labour are totally letting down their voters. And I think that's why they've seen what ought to have been a, a night when they could have made gains being one where they're being punished as well, because their lack of clarity on, on Brexit, the fact that they are supporting it while their membership and wider Labour voters are are very much pro-EU, that that is something which is coming back to haunt them now. I must say, I do wonder what it is that they sit in those rooms for and talk about for hours and hours and hours and weeks and weeks on end, because they don't appear to be getting anywhere, and I just don't see the point of it. Well, we had a caller earlier today, Joe, who said, do you think that this result for both Labour and the Conservatives will frighten them to such an extent that they then try and forge some kind of alliance and find some kind of agreement that they can represent to Parliament and so that they can avoid having another election on, Mar- on May the 23rd? Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, Labour keeps saying they want uh, an election, but, you know, you look at these results and you wonder whether they really do. And, of course, you know, it is that sort of stitch-up that we're now seeing between Labour and the Conservatives and, and whether that whether that continues. I mean, it still feels you know, difficult to imagine them reaching an agreement, not least because of tribalism. But, uh, but you know, actually, there's not there's not a huge amount between them on, on Brexit. I mean, whether it's a red Brexit or a blue Brexit, it's still Brexit and it's still going to be really damaging for our country. And that's why Liberal Democrats are really clear that for people who want an alternative, they want the chance to have their say on this Brexit deal and the chance and the choice to stay in the European Union. That's why voting Liberal Democrat is the way forward and the chance to do that not just yesterday, but in three weeks' time at the European elections where every vote for the Liberal Democrats is a vote to stop Brexit. Is it dangerous, though, to say that this is a vote to stop Brexit, that this local council election? Because you guys weren't exactly campaigning on that, were you? You weren't campaigning as, as as the staying in the European Union party. Well, I think what's interesting is that, you know, four fifths of the council areas that were up yesterday were in leave voting areas and Liberal Democrats have made gains both in Remain and leave areas. So while our message on Brexit is clear that we want to stop it and I think there are many people who are supporting us because of that, it's it's also not the full picture. You know, we were obviously campaigning in areas around the country when I've been out and about on the campaign trail. It's everything from, you know, public transport in local areas, how to make it more sustainable to uh, the regeneration of town centres, improving social care. You know, Liberal Democrats who have been delivering for local people and arguing for things that will make an impact on people's lives in their local community. That has obviously been a big part of these elections too. And as Lib Dems, that community politics is part of our DNA. It's the way in which we engage from the grassroots up with with local people in areas right across the country. And it's a credit to the Liberal Democrat campaigners who have been doing that and have 
seen the results accordingly at the ballot box with some great success. And what does this do for um, the Lib- Liberal Democrats as a party, but also for the councils that they will now be controlling? Will they be able to affect much change at all? Yes, I mean, you know, we we went into these elections holding six of the councils that were up. We've now gained another eight. It's hard to keep track. It might have been more, even just in the last few minutes while we've been speaking uh, uh, speaking uh, on uh, on this interview. And you know, Liberal Democrats have that track record for delivering. So you know, I was in uh, in Somerset a couple of weeks ago, where the Dems are regenerating the town of Chard, new affordable housing, new leisure centre. You know, in contrast to the Conservatives that had been closing the. Uh, the swimming pool in that area. You know, in, in Watford, the, the mayor of Watford, which we hold, making Im- big in- improvements in local transport, uh, in Bedford, you know, in places up and down the country where Lib Dems are in control. We are making significant improvements to people's lives, and people do recognise that, and they, that is one of the reasons why they are voting for Liberal Democrats in these very strong results. And do you think uh, these results are going to make uh, Vince Cable rethink his decision to resign? Is he going to hang around a bit longer? Well, I think that's a question for Vince. Like he's he's set out his his views, and uh, you know, I, I think you know clearly there's going to be at some point that conversation about the the future of the Liberal Democrats, and that is a conversation uh, for the future because at the moment we are in another election period. It's a bit unusual that you go immediately from election to being in an election, but you know, three weeks' time we've got these European elections, and as Liberal Democrats, we go into those with a real boost from the local results with uh, you know, nearly 100,000 uh, members up and down the country, with hundreds more councillors newly elected uh, to, to add to our base of 2,000 existing councillors, out there advocating the message that the vote for the Liberal Democrats is a vote to stop Brexit, and it's a really good chance to make that message clear uh, in the European elections on the 23rd of May. And if people aren't registered to vote in those elections they have just a few days left to do that tuesday is the deadline and it's really important that people can have their say okay joe thanks very much indeed congratulations again a good night for the liberal democrats joe swinson their deputy leader uh, of the lib dems ross um obviously they're going to say that this is uh, a major step forward for them they're going to say that it's going to have repercussions for the main uh, party in westminster and everything else but but is it really um, I'm not entirely convinced whether things can be directly extrapolated from the local elections. And bear in mind, we're only halfway through the results, barely. But by the end of today, I think we will know something important, and that is how the picture of local government has changed in England, in the majority of England. And if the Liberal Democrats do continue to uh, have the success that they've had so far, and at the end of the day, if we end up with an extraordinary result for the Liberal Democrats, not just making up lost ground previously, but actually increasing uh, their their total number of councillors and seats and control of councils, then that, that does change the makeup and the way that government works at the local level. It may not be that everything is about Brexit. It might be that things are about local issues. Things are about the kind of pavement politics and doorstep issues which get people out to vote on local elections day. A point about turnout, it looks as if turnout is average, around 30% so far, according to the local government information unit. That show that shows us actually that there hasn't been this mass stampede to the ballot box at the first opportunity. Don't forget that this is the first time voters have had the chance to vote at all in an election since the whole Brexit debacle of the last four or five months. And we're seeing anecdotally a lot of spoiled ballot papers. I don't know if there's going to be a figure on that at some point. There will be a final figure. Anecdotally, there there are. There are images circulating online. People have written Brexit on their ballot papers. We're seeing an abnormally high number in some areas of sport ballot papers, and we'll know the full details on that at the end of the day. I think the fact that there hasn't been an overwhelming turnout, an overwhelming rush does suggest uh, that perhaps the local elections was never going to be the venue it was never going to be the moment at which that was experienced it's an open question Mm. for elections which come next I think it is uh, possible though to extrapolate from these results what we might want to expect at a general election and the question for the Liberal Democrats really is would they go into coalition with Jeremy Corbyn uh, at a general election if Mm. one were to to occur right okay Ross thanks very much indeed Ross Kempsell will be keeping you up to date throughout the day uh, and all the way up to nine o'clock tonight when the results will continue to roll in Uh, that doesn't look to me as if there's going to be any great change in fortunes for any of the parties Tories not doing very well at all Labour not doing much better Lib Dems doing very very well indeed we shall keep you updated right here on Talk Radio
the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, 03444991000. Graham from Bushy says, John McDonald predicted last night that Labour would win 400 seats. They've lost 80 so far. This from the man that will look after the country's finances and try not and try to balance the books and the budget. He's not trusted to run a Welk store. Well, he's also said that he wants to uh, bring in some kind of uh, socialist revolution uh, if the Labour Party gets into power. So uh, uh, good luck with that one. Down With says, not so much of a bots job, but more of a fixed one. I ran out of paint this week and I couldn't get the same colour, so I wallpapered two walls instead. Uh, and Lionheart says, a friend wanted to show his bravado to his girlfriend, fixing a light fitting for her, but he didn't have a clue and he started 30 minutes before dark. After blowing a fuse box up, leaving her house in the dark, the last thing he remembered uh, was her kicking him out of the house and ditching him. <laughs> well, there you go. If you've got any good botched job stories for us, uh, we're going to be talking about DIY a little bit later on, because apparently loads of people don't even bother now doing odd jobs because they just don't know what to do. And we're going to talk to Emma Hannett Hammett now, CEO of First Aid for Life, because an awful lot of other people don't even know how to use first aid or how to carry out uh, first aid on anybody else. And she's going to try and educate us all uh, so that we can save people's lives. Emma, a very good morning to you. Hello, thank you for having me on the show. Not at all. Um, it's it's probably true to say that, uh, that, I mean, I think my kids are, are taught first aid at school, but an awful lot of people have never been taught first aid, have they? Do you know you're very lucky if your kids are being taught first aid at school because an awful lot of schools are still not doing that Mm. and it's not becoming mandatory until next year. Right, Okay. So, I mean, what sort of numbers are we talking about here? Would you say, I don't know, 75% of the population don't know what to do? I would concur with um, the St John Ambulance study completely. Um, I think it's... It's really frightening. We are absolutely trailing Scandinavia and the rest of the world in our um, survival rates following mm. a cardiac arrest. Right. And it's really easy to learn. I mean, everywhere you go now, I mean, we've even got them here in the office. There's defibrillators, there's defibrillators on the tube and all sorts of places. But I'm not sure that anybody walking past them would know what to do uh, if you saw somebody suddenly having a cardiac arrest and you go, oh, right, well, I'll get the defibrillators out. You just know what you've seen on TV. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the TV isn't always the best place to learn. Um, sometimes they just go for the sensational side of things. Mm. They, I mean, with the defibrillator, when you see it on TV, they are always waiting until the person's flatlining and you've got the beep at right. the sign going across. Right. And unfortunately, in the community, that's too late. Speed is the essence You want to absolutely get that defibrillator on the chest as quickly as possible and combine it with good quality CPR. Yeah, but what if you don't know what you're doing? I mean, mean, it's probably better if you don't get involved, isn't it? Absolutely not. Um, There's lots of myths around um, using a defibrillator. Um, I mean, one of the great things is that actually you can't do anything wrong. Mm. It won't let you shock someone if they don't need it. Right. You can't Um, shock yourself with it, can you? Uh... No, because you're not going to be in a shockable rhythm. <laughs> right, I'm just so talking about, only... you know, because some people are very cack-handed when they do anything. This is what we were talking about when it comes to odd jobs, that people don't, people don't have very many sort of manual skills anymore. It's very basic, and it's very simple, and it talks to you. It's a lovely, sensible bit of kit that saves lives. If you have a cardiac arrest in mm. the community, your chances of survival without a defibrillator are about 6%. Right. If you can get a defibrillator on the chest within three minutes, so mm. it's really important you're quick, yeah. and the person's in a shockable rhythm, the odds jump from 6% to 74%. Wow. It's huge. That's massive, isn't it? Yeah. I and I see, I didn't know that. You. It's easy. Mm. The issue is that there's a lot of myths around defibrillators. People don't realise you have to be doing CPR as well. Right. So what you're doing when you're using a defibrillator is you're not jump-starting the heart, you're actually stopping the heart so that the heart's own backup mechanism Mm. will kick it back into the right rhythm. Okay. Which is why speed is really important so that they've still got electrical activity in their heart. The longer you wait, the less electrical activity you've got and the less chance that they will be able to restart the heart and certainly you'll end up with a decent quality of life without brain damage. And do you think that people are sort of squeamish about it though as well and maybe there's an element of not wanting to be involved with something that might not work i.e. you know if you tried to do it and the person died that might be quite traumatic for some people. It's incredibly traumatic and you know let's not under understate that Uh, and we can't save everybody so with you know the most perfect first aid in the world Mm. you won't save everybody but imagine you know, what it's like. We have letters from people all, all the time where, you know, someone has gone and they have given first aid and the person has survived. And right. that is then somebody that's gone back to their family 
and had a full quality of life. If you've got the opportunity to do that, I mean, wow. Yeah. No, for sure. And what yeah. about learning then and teaching those people who don't feel confident? How, how, do you, how do you set about doing that? All sorts of ways. I mean, we've got lots of free resources on our site. Um, we've got online courses. We've got um, an e-book that gives them seven vital skills that every family should know, which sort of takes them through the basics of how to help if your child chokes yeah. or if your other half chokes. Right. Um, you know, the CPR, recovery position, how to help with a burn, cool running water. Yeah. I mean, it's so simple, first aid. It's not fancy. No. No, but it is incredible how few people know what to do, though, isn't it? Yeah, and as a nurse, it's really frightening when, you know, when I was working in A&E and you saw people coming in with with things that, actually, if if they'd had immediate first aid, they probably wouldn't even have needed to be in hospital. Mm. I mean, children that have had a cup of hot coffee spilt on them, and instead of you know, the parents calmly putting them under cool running water. The advice is, by the way, for a full 20 minutes now. It right. always used to be 10. Okay. Um, they sort of ran out into the street screaming or they mm. waited and phoned an ambulance. Mm. By that time, the person's cooked because yes. they're neat. Yes, of course. Stay so where you are, Emma, for a second. Done, stay, where, then... stay where you are because we've got a caller who wants to talk about this. Alan in Staffordshire is here. Alan, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Thanks very much for calling. You know how to use a defibrillator. That's why you tell it. What are you going to tell us? Well, basically, yeah. I went on a, in our local village. There was a, a free training on how to use a defibrillator. Okay. By the uh, local response team. Mm. Um, sadly, there was only my wife and my daughter and myself who turned up. Right. Despite it being free. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got free defibrillators in the village. Um, which is quite nice. We're not far from a, a town anyway. Mm. But in respect of all of that, as the lady was saying, I've only caught the back end of your conversation, unfortunately, because I've just got back in the car. Yeah. But um, basically, it's very simple. It does talk to you. You can't do anything wrong. Um, and it's quite easy and it's quite informative. So, you know, I'm just not wanting to wish I have a time to use one. Yes. But I will feel more confident now that going forward, right. if anything did happen... Uh, to anybody, yes. I'm quite competent or confident that yeah. I could uh, well, that's go and great. do this. Well, I'm glad you've called in, Alan. Thanks very much indeed, Alan in Staffordshire there, Emma, telling us that, uh, you know, as long as somebody's showing you how to do it, um, it's pretty easy to learn. And we've also it had is. another call from someone that's asking you, how do we know when to use a defibrillator? Is there a specific, I mean, how, how can you tell, for example, if you're not medically trained, that, that you need to use one on someone? No, absolutely. You're using a defibrillator if someone is unconscious and not breathing. Yeah, okay. So you're Checking to see if they're breathing, that's at least two regular breaths in a 10-second ten second um, period, two normal breaths. Right. And if you're not sure if they're breathing or not, so if they're making strange noises or they seem really laboured and yeah. they are unconscious, they're not looking a good colour. Or they're swallowing then, their tongue or something like that. Do you know you can't swallow your tongue? It's, it's actually, it's, it's gravity, it's the back of the tongue just flopping back. Right. Okay. Um, but uh, yes, you're absolutely right. It's it's the airway blocking. Mm. So if you are not sure if they're unconscious or not, uh, if they're if they're not breathing or not, sorry, they're definitely unconscious. Um, you are going to be doing CPR and using the defibrillator. Okay. If they didn't need the defibrillator, it will not let you shock. Right. It will say no shock advised. Mm. Okay. Keep doing CPR. So right. it will tell you very clearly. And what about the kiss of life? Physically, the kiss of life might be a bit worrying for some people. Uh, is that in, easy to do as well? In terms of doing the breaths, the advice is that um, the British Resuscitation Council have said that giving the breaths gives someone the best chance. Mm. However, if you are unwilling or unable to give breaths for any reason, either because, do you know, you really can't bring yourself to do it, Yeah. Um, or because maybe you're asthmatic and, and, and the effort would be too much or whatever, then the next best thing is to do the compressions. But please do something. Yes. The compressions are the most important. Okay. And for a baby or child or for somebody who's drowned, then obviously the breaths are very important too. Okay. Emma, thank you very much indeed. Emma Hammett there, CEO of First Aid for Life. I think a great idea is actually to go and be shown how to use a defibrillator if there is anybody in your area doing one of those kind of free samples, if you like, telling you how to save somebody's life, then you should go along and just learn how to do it. And that way you'll feel more confident if you happen to find yourself in that situation. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. More gun talk from a water pistol from the farmer of fury. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. I'm fixing Independent Republican Mike Graham, you know what to do. 0344 I've been asking for your uh, DIY stories and your botched jobs and your handyman attempts because an awful lot of people in this country have never actually attempted to do any DIY. Millions of Brits, in fact, have never tackled a single odd job at home. According to uh, the Independent Network, uh, who commissioned a study, talked to about 2,000 people. Some people haven't even changed the light bulb. Let's talk to Lizzie Singleton uh, from the Independent Network and find out what this is all about. Lizzie, very good morning to you. Hi, Mike. Now, I mean, I knew that some people were pretty useless in this country, uh, particularly what I would regard as millennials who don't seem to do anything at all, including their own washing. But, I mean, to have never tackled a single odd job at home, that's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, it was um, quite surprising findings, um, especially the thing I think that kind of really stuck out from the research that as a nation, it seems like we're becoming um, DIY phobic, yeah. um, with 45% of Brits actually saying they feel nervous about DIY and have a real lack of confidence. But if you go shopping on a Saturday to one of those big, you know, B&Qs or Wicks or somewhere like that, it's full of people buying stuff, which they presumably take home and do things with themselves. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, there's obviously a huge market, um, the DIY market is huge, but I mean, I think something that's quite common that um, our team of um, Vika installers often um, find is that DIY jobs can go wrong and um, often they have to be called in to actually fix um, bodge jobs. um, Something that particularly the southwest region admitted to um, happening to them. So, um, yeah, some more interesting findings. I mean, (laughs) top 10 DIY tasks Brits would struggle with. It says here, replacing roof tiles. Well, that one I wouldn't say is particularly likely for most people to want to do. You know when we go clambering around on the roof. Fix pointing, that's quite specialised. Fix a leaking window. I mean, I wouldn't know how to do that apart from sticking a towel on it. Uh, fit, fit a new door, fit, fix a swelling door, fix a window lock, fix a door lock, fix a leaking tap. I mean, about the only thing I would do here probably is hang wallpaper. That's yeah, about all no, I can absolutely. do. I think, um, you know, there's a, a huge kind of lack, like I said, a lack of confidence and people are relying more and more on kind of um, looking, going to YouTube for advice on kind of how to do the odd, job, odd small jobs mm. around the home. But I think a lot of the bigger jobs, which maybe traditionally we might have done ourselves is now very much being relied upon yeah. um, with tradesmen but I think 15% who say they're unable to change a light bulb I mean that was quite, <laughs> quite a shocking that is quite shocking but, but you would you know, hope that'd be lower but I mean it's I mean I think as generations are, are are going further back they were better at I mean my father was really good at fixing anything but he mm. wasn't by any means a builder or, or a DIY man he just knew how to do everything let's talk to Gerard who's called in because uh, Gerard's in crew and he's got a little story for us I think Gerard a very good morning to you yeah, I'd tackle a light bulb, but it depends on what sort of light bulb, Mike, I'd have to but say. But, you know, I got, you know what, when they when they finally switched off all the lights and decided we had to use these EU-friendly light bulbs, right? I've got those... Um, those I've got know, those in the ceiling. Yeah. yeah, the ones that go into the ceiling in the bathroom, yeah. right? Well, the ones you buy now in, in say, a B&Q, they don't fit. They, 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 you screw them in, and they don't yeah. actually reach the, 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 the filament to actually light up. So I had to get a specialist light guy to send me a load of bulbs that can fit in there. I don't know what I'm going to do when they run out. 
Well, I've watched it. I've got something similar, but the only friends I've got in life, I make sure they're good at helping out around the house. <laughs> What's your story about a carpet? Oh, it's a good one, that. We got a thirty five 35 years ago when we got married, but yeah. we got a stick-pile carpet put in the living room, tried to do our first house up. Mm. So, well, naturally, the doors wouldn't show in there, would they? Of course not. Because they were catching on there. Mm. So after weeks and weeks of conversation with my good lady, I decided in anger to take it off. Right, plain and it. Plain it, yeah. <laughs> Sounds straightforward, <laughs> right? It does, doesn't it, yeah, but I never marked top and bottom. So I planed the top. Carpet was still, <laughs> carpet was still stuck on the bottom, but I had about a four-inch gap at the top. That's brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. Well played. Gerard, thank you very much indeed. Well, Lizzie, that's the kind of typical British story, though, isn't it? Exactly. I think um, a lot of us can relate to that and we've all probably got our own um, failed DIY attempts that we've had in the past. I mean, I've got, for example, down in Sussex, something's gone wrong with the TV. I think there's a problem with the aerial. And after one of the big storms that we had, I think the aerial's been somehow moved. And every weekend we lose an extra channel. And so now we're down to maybe about 10 channels, I think. And uh, I'm, But I'm not going to go up on the roof because I'm afraid I've heard too many terrible stories of people falling off them. Yeah, I mean, safety is obviously a huge concern. I think that's probably sort of another contributing factor, obviously, to this 45% where you do hear these horror stories of, you know, people being seriously injured around the home. So, yeah, if if you are attempting DIY this weekend, obviously, keep it in mind to be as safe as possible. Well, I'll tell you what I am doing. I'm going to Ikea on the way home. right? I've got to pick up some things for the kids. Uh, but I won't be putting the stuff together when I get home because uh, I leave that to their mother. She she quite likes doing all that. Well, oh, at least I don't okay. know whether she likes it or not, but she's much better at it than I am. You know, I can just about do one of those bookcases, but anything else, it's too complicated for me. Oh, that sounds good. Well, around um, 20% also said that they've fallen out with a partner while doing odd jobs. So it sounds like you've got quite a good balance. <laughs> what there about you? Are you, any, are you any good at any of this stuff? Do you know what? I've got to say, it's not very feminist of me, but I do leave it to my husband who seems to enjoy it a bit more. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it makes him feel manly probably as well because, I, I mean, we, so, we yeah. have a sort of reverse <laughs> situation in my house because if there's ever anything like that needing done, she does it and I, and I cook the food. But, I mean, it seems to work well, so nobody really minds. Exactly, yeah, whatever works for you. <laughs> OK, great. Thank you very much indeed. Lizzie Singleton from the Independent Network commissioned this study in which it said a tenth of over 55s confess they have never fixed anything around the house and fifth of all adults regard themselves as such amateurs they don't even fancy their chances of hammering in a nail, right? Uh, and that rises to a third for those aged 35 to 44. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.33, it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. I was told you had some new music. No, they've lied to you. Yeah, well, not for the first time. Welcome. Uh, Cornelius Mendez is here. Uh, some people call him Cornelius Cornelius Mendez. Um, but uh, it's time for the Perry Awards. Welcome. Yes, just when you thought it couldn't get more exciting than the local elections. Yes. <laughs> it's time for the Perry Awards. This is where we take a look back over the past week of the so-called Independent Republic of Mike Graham and so choose cool. our favourite moments. Mm. Uh, this list has been drawn up. Unfortunately, there's been no leaks in the press, so we haven't had to fire Marta. Good. Uh, so let's find out who's won this week. Let's go. As is tradition, Mike, the first Perry goes to you. Brilliant. Uh, but it's not me and the team awarding it to you actually it's our esteemed colleague and dare i say friend matthew wright he's awarded you as the expert of the week i think we all want uh, to do something about climate change but it does sound ex- mike graham doesn't <laughs> but it does sound <laughs> extreme <laughs> mike graham's an expert he knows more than all the scientists that agree He's right, you know. I do. <laughs> it's absolutely correct. Well done, Matthew. Thank you. Uh, Roger Layton, the former head teacher, uh, was on the show this week. Despite being an intelligent and reasonable person, I'm afraid he has won the contrarian of the week. I.e. they'd put them in a classroom together and give them an iPad, and that would be all they'd do no. all day, you know? No, 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 no. <laughs> Not a fan of iPads, clearly. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, now, Mike, do you remember what Tuesday was? Uh, the day after Monday. Yes. Uh, the day before Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It was also uh, Anti-Social Tuesday. Remember? Was it? Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, not everyone seemed to get on board with it. Ricky in Glasgow wins Enthusiasm of the Week. All right, Ricky. Hello. Good morning, mate. Good morning good to you, morning. sir. What do you want to say? Happy um, Anti-Social Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, shortly after that call was made, right, he then continually rang the show for about the next two hours, didn't he? Yeah, we'll get By to mistake. that. By <laughs> mistake. We will get to that. Uh, his energy has no bounds, Ricky, in Glasgow during the call. Um, uh, he also wins persistence of the week for managed to continue what he was saying midway through a yawn. Mm. And I've written to, I've dropped a note to the 32 councillors in London, right, and i got bags. See, have four, four or five uh, replies. <laughs> I never noticed that at the time. Um, Imagine writing to 32 councils as well. I know. Over the top, well, You it? can just print it out and send it. I suppose so. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a hat-trick for Ricky, as you've said. After that call, his bum-dialing has won him the public asser- public servant... Pub, sorry. Public for service announcement of the week. Uh, just uh, for a word to the wise, Ricky in Glasgow, uh, who was on the show a little bit earlier on, uh, you keep calling us, uh, obviously, by uh, mistake, in error... Uh, I don't know whether the phone is in your pocket. I don't know whether you're sitting down. Every time you sit down, the phone rings. But you've now called us about 55 times since half past 10. And we can hear that you're listening to the show. So would you please stop? Get control of your phone, Ricky, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) He carried on as well. He carried on, yeah. Mm. Um, Good friend of the show, LaDonna Harvey, wins the ever-present Noise of the Week. The only good news for me was that my kids are now old enough to go with their friends and I don't have to go with them. So I was spared. (laughs) That was a good one. Caller Russell in Tottridge wins the Perrier for campus reaction. Well, I mean, I don't know what uh, what happens if you eat one of these shrimp that's infected with cocaine. I don't know, really. Oh. (laughs) Carry on salmon fishing up the Yemen or whatever. Um... So we're always on the hunt for answers on this show. Of course. Of course. Louisa, who reads the travel from time to time, won the answer of the week for finally solving the question of why the chicken didn't cross the road. Queues westbound on the M62 through West Yorkshire due to a shed load of chicken carcasses around Junction 27 for Gildersum. <laughs> it didn't even say they were across the no, road. It's just due just to... chicken carcasses. <laughs> why would you just say chickens? <laughs> why would you say chicken carcasses? <laughs> Also, without any explanation yeah. of what went on. As I well. know. Um, now, it's never That's good. A mass chicken suicide. <laughs> now, it's never good when we have a technological problem. How? Uh, How do you say that? Technological problem here at the station. English your first language? <laughs> no. I didn't think so. Uh, but one thing for certain is that it is always funny. So we know Sandy War could not do anything else in this situation but I'm afraid she wins the techno fail of the week. Talk Radio News Headlines. Good morning. Labour is calling for an investigation into the sacking of the MP, Chris Williamson. Uh, I do apologise. I'm afraid my burly screen, which is my computer screen, which has my news headlines, <laughs> has completely gone blank. I could make up headlines for you, but I might actually get into trouble doing that. So I think what I'll do is I'll hand over to the business news. <laughs> Did she realise she was actually on the air? That's great. Uh, I missed that. She wrong named Gavin Williamson Brilliant. as well, so unlucky. Chris Williamson, yeah. Yeah, never confused. mind. Um, a new category now for the first and probably last time, Socialite of the Week. That goes to Paddy in Suffolk, who started his call by suggesting you and him go for drinks. Mm. Uh, let's talk to Paddy, who's in Suffolk. Hello, Paddy. Yeah, good morning, Morning. Mike. What do you want to yeah. tell us? Well, a, a couple of points first. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I've got a tweet here from Scott who says, this Cornelius geezer, is he really that bloke who does the documentaries? I think he's talking about Louis Theroux. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I guess he must think you sound like him. Uh, it's normally Noel Fielding, I get. You know, the media. I don't know why. Um, Neil in Macclesfield now. A clip from earlier today. Wasn't sure with what I could get away with saying, so here it is presented without further comment. Well, there are people out there, though, who defend her. I mean, people in the Tory party who say, well, you know, she's got a very tough job. It's not really her fault that she can't get anything done. It's the fault of everybody else who keeps getting in the way. (laughs) That's brilliant. Again, I didn't notice any of that. This is how well I concentrate when I do the show. (laughs) Sorry, Neil. Get on with it. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> it's been one of those weeks, by the way. We've been doing a lot of laughing. It's finally culminated in you corpsing on the air. Uh, a couple more for you, Mike. <laughs> Just quickly, self-awareness of the week. Go on. She said, oh, I presume you're a very learned man. And I said, well, not really. I said, I, I do a talk show. A lot of people think I'm an idiot. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, some truer words are said in jest, as we said. Um, and finally, Mike, you win the final period for today, a classic shutdown, for the, shutdown of the week uh, for this caller who tried to suggest that Bill Cash, a solicitor turned MP with no mis- ministerial or military experience, is more suited than Penny Morden, a former Navy reservist and International Development Secretary, to be our new defence minister. Yeah, I mean, Penny Morden. Penny Morden. She doesn't cut it either, you know. Well, I don't think any, been, of current, should, any, be, any of our current any of our current crop. She should be at home doing the washing up and all that, you know. Really, more. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ian. I mean, if you want to say something that is just designed to wind people up, you could do that. But it's a bit of an old trick, and it's not that clever. What else they got picked? That up would be a bit running, dodgy. They're running, out, they're running out. Well, they're who would you out. pick? I think I think I think Bill Cash. Uh, actually, I'd like him. He's got a bit of gravitas. A bit of a, Bill Cash, but he's not in the cabinet. Oh, Bill well, Cash, got, do me a favour. Do me he's, a got, he's got. He's, got he's old, Ian. He's old. Don't you like old people? You like old people better than women. He's got. He's got gravitas and authority about him. Yeah, something yeah. you haven't got either of. I'm afraid. Cheerio. Great work. That's it for the Perry Awards this Very week. Uh, there will be more next week. The Perry Awards on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Oh three four 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 nine nine a one a thousand is the number. It is a bank holiday weekend coming up, of course. I'll be here on Monday though. Don't forget, same time, same channel, ten o'clock. Uh, don't miss it here at Talk Radio. Uh, Matthew Wright coming up at one o'clock here after this show, uh, and then of course Dan Wooten coming up with Drive at four o'clock. Adam has sent this great tweet in, and he says, "I changed the light fixing to a fancy one. Only when I tried to turn it off, I realised it was on permanently. Uh, I couldn't be bothered taking it back, uh, taking it back off. So I just used to unscrew the bulb when I wanted the light to go off." Which is great. <laughs> That's a pretty good uh, uh, reason to to not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't. I once had a, a, a t- when you got one of those table tennis tables for the kids, right? That you get that you have to put together. And at the time, I used my um, uh, my daughter's boyfriend, who was quite handy. Got him to do it, and he put the whole thing up. It took me about two hours, right? He started inside the house, then he had to take it outside because it was destined to be put up outside. He got to literally the final moment of putting the net on and realised he'd put something on the wrong way round. So he had to take the whole thing apart again and spend another two hours uh, putting it back together. Four hours it took him. And, of course, now the kids don't even play on it. It's ridiculous. Let's talk to Mike, who's in York. Hello, Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Afternoon. Yeah. Afternoon. What's That's going on? a brilliant on? idea, that. Getting your kids to marry plumbers, electricians... <laughs> It is. Yeah, because, I mean, if they're not going to keep you in a style to which you've become accustomed, at least they should have partners that are useful. Yeah, arrange marriages. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, arrange marriage to a plumber. Great idea. Save your fortune, wouldn't it? It would. It would even ask their way from the plumbing <laughs> side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yesterday, Mike, I, I voted. Okay, well done. And I don't know who I voted for. You don't know? No. What do you mean? You just shut oh. your eyes? No. I went down the list. Right. Conservatives, not doing them. Right. Labour, not doing them. Right. Greens, they want to stop horse racing in York. Right. Well, okay. Not going to vote for them. So his left was Liberal. Yeah. So I voted for them just to annoy the Conservative. I think York's Conservative Council, Gillis, is leaving, so mm. you never know. And then we went to a pub. Yeah. And Neil and, and, and so, so that was definitely a, a protest vote for you then, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you see, like, the knight in shining armour is on the horizon in three weeks' time. Right. And that, that then that will be fun. Nigel Farage and Brexit party. Yeah. Well, now that you've you mentioned know. that, I have to mention all the other people that are standing in that oh, particular election. It. So thanks very much. Apologies. Apologies. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll do it now and then we'll get it out of the way because uh, Richard wants to talk about this as well. Coming up in the southeast, right, which is a region for the a European election, the parties that are running are as follows. The Brexit Party, Change UK, Conservatives, English Democrats, Green, Labour, Liberal Democrats, Socialist Party of Great Britain, UK European Union Party and UKIP. Also three independents, Jason McMahon, David Round and Michael Turberville. There we are. Let's talk to Richard in Manchester. Hi, Richard. Hi, good morning, Mike. Thanks morning. For How you forward. doing? Um, yeah, great. Apparently, uh, Vince Cable has been on to Vodstad, 
uh, who has congratulated him in a, in, in a great way and said, well done, we look forward to you uh, being over here and so on and so forth. It just leaves me very cold. Nick Clegg's on his way. Yep. He's going to come back and, and team up with Vince. Now Vince has done the work and probably... Tony Blair will link up with them all and make a right mess of the whole lot. Well, I mean, you do wonder about these things, but I mean, you you sound like a man that's seen one or two elections in your time, Richard. I mean, how many times have we seen the Lib Dems have a new dawn and we we expect them all to come run, running through Westminster like a sort of herd of cattle, uh, you know, knocking over everything that they see? And then it never happens because the Lib Dems are, as we've just heard from our last caller, a protest vote. They always have been. Exactly. I dare tell you what I put on my little uh, voting slip. Yesterday. No, please don't, because I might no, have to read out some more names, <laughs> <laughs> which I'd rather not do, to be honest. <laughs> but um, in all fairness, uh, Vince Gable, I, I could write his manifesto over to Verhofstadt. We love the EU, Junker Barnier, Verhofstadt. Yeah. I know. It only cost us seventeen billion a year. We'll give you another. Yeah, and never mind the seventeen. Never mind the seventeen point four million people who actually voted to leave it because, yeah. of course, we just ignore them. Richard, thanks very much. I will tell you what, you don't hear. You don't hear anybody from the Liberal Democrats asking for a second vote on all these council seats that they've won because maybe people didn't understand what they were voting for. You don't hear that, do you? Let's talk to Alex Farrell. He is, of course, amongst many other things. Uh, a media giant. Uh, he's the producer of the breakfast show, the No Nonsense Breakfast Show with Julie Hartley Brewer. Uh, he's now also the proud councillor for Castle Ward in Tamworth because, unbelievably, a bunch of people elected him. Presumably, that was a protest vote as well. Alex, a very good afternoon <laughs> to you. Very good afternoon, Mike. Thank you for that warm welcome. How does it feel to be a representative of the people? It feels a bit weird, actually, Mike. Um, it's something I've never done before, uh, but I thought I'd give it a go. Right. And I won, amazingly. So I think I'm going to have to do the job now. So, I mean, um, what is the job? Well, the job, really, of a local councillor is to help people, isn't it? You know, with uh, issues, whether it's bins, potholes. But you're not very good at helping people in the office, though, are you? It's not something that comes naturally to you. No, no. But, um, you know, some of those people uh, are beyond help in the talk radio office. Well, Um, I've already got one request of asking whether you can sort the bins out in the office. (laughs) uh, um, Well, I'm going to defer that to uh, talk radio show presenter to Johnny Stevens. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Well, he's not in on Fridays, as you know, so he can't do it today. Part time, Johnny. No. So um, so how many days of the week are you going to be devoting to this work in Tamworth? Well, it's, it's all voluntary, really. Um, so it, it's, it's as much as I want to put into it. I think meetings are generally once every two weeks. You go along and kind of whether you sit on a, on a local committee, like a planning committee or right. licensing, uh, or obviously the, the full council. Um, but, but it, you know, it, it's something that I've always wanted to do. And I found it fascinating doing the campaign trail because obviously you get some abuse on the doorstep. Yeah, yeah. People, want, people want you to help. Um, You're used to that, though, right. your job. Well, I'm always used to the abuse. And you talk about spoilt ballot papers. Do you know what? I've never received so much abuse as on the spoilt ballot papers. There was pictures of uh, various different um, parts of the anatomy uh, drawn on the bottom right. of my ballot papers right. uh, and an arrow towards me. I don't know, I don't know what they're trying to say. Um, you know, none of the above. Yeah. Um, Brexit, you know, uh, uh, any any kind of, um, you know, protest, uh, mm. people are saying. Um, you know, but, but generally, the turnout wasn't too bad. Everyone was saying it's a low turnout. It was about about 27% in Tamworth. Yeah, so, which yeah, is about what it normally is, isn't it, for a local election? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, you know, and it's good, actually. You know, I'm only 28 years old. Um, so you? I'm, yeah, can you believe it? You've been 28 um, for so, a while now, haven't you? Yeah, for about five years, yeah. Um, so it's actually um, good. In, in Tamworth, we booked the trend. We've got a lot of kind of under 35-year-olds on the council. You mm. normally think of councillors as old, retired people who are kind of doing it as a, as a hobby yes. after work. Um, but no, that's not really the case all over the country. There's, you know, I'm a, a, a count now um, in Lichfield in Staffordshire yeah. uh, where, where a friend of mine um, is receiving his results. And, and he's only 19. He's just doing it because he's interested in politics and local issues. So it, does, it attracts all sorts of different people. Mm. And so, I mean, it's very fashionable now not to bother doing what you put in your manifesto. What was in your manifesto? What were you going <laughs> to supposedly do? Uh, my manifesto was actually all about uh, uh, the arts, theatre, radio, something I'm interested in, uh, as well as my, my work, if you can call it that, at Talk Radio. I also run the local radio station in Tamworth Radio. Tamworth is a community thing. Uh, run the local. Uh, did you have to ban community. yourself from, the, uh, from, the, from your own radio station during the period I of murder? I did. I wasn't allowed on. And uh, <laughs> they interviewed me, actually. My own radio station interviewed me last night, which was quite funny. Right. Um, but. 
Um, but yeah, it, it, all about local issues, you know, not not national issues. So, what is the burning issue in Tamworth? What are you going to have to get to grips with? Uh, well, the burning issue really is regeneration of the town centre. Like every town, um, we've got a town centre that's doing okay, uh, but it needs more life. People go to out of town shopping districts these days. So it's all about you know regenerating it. Uh, we've got a new theatre involved, um, and just pushing people into the town centre and away from those out of town. Why don't you organise a really lame race, uh, like you know, bumper cars or something? Uh, that would be great. Yeah, we've, we've got some bumper cars locally, actually, and some, and some uh, uh, well-experienced drivers, so I could do that. Yeah, that'd be good. And uh, how much uh, are you able to claim in expenses for this purported <laughs> job? <laughs> well, uh, contrary to popular belief, it is not all about the money. Um, I think a, a local council... You see, you're already Tamworth... learning how not to answer the question. <laughs> well, a, a council in Tamworth gets about £5,000 a year. Wow. Um, and that And that covers kind of, you know, just expenses, getting to meetings. But, but, but as I live half the week in London and half in right. Tamworth, I'll, I'll spend that on train fares. So well, you've doubled your salary, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah tripled, actually. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's quite a nice little chunk of change, for, considering that you've got two homes already, right? I mean, are you going to be able to claim for one of them? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I'm afraid that the only thing uh, I can claim for is uh, is tap water. I've got absolutely nothing I can claim for at all. Um, uh, uh, you know, I'm not an MP. I'm just uh, the lowest rung of the ladder. Do you trouser the five grand all in one go, or do you have to claim for it over a period of time? <laughs> uh, no, actually, it's very good because you you get it monthly, but they withhold 25% of your uh, allowance if uh, if you don't attend a certain amount of meetings. Okay. So the obligation is on uh, on turning up. You've got to go to 75% of your meetings to get the rest of your allowance. Right. It's good, really. Stop people taking it and just jogging on, basically. No, sure. And how long is are you in for? Is it like a two-year fixed term or something? Um, I've got four years. Um, so Four, four years? years. To, to please or displease the good people of Tamworth and then Blimey. they boot me out if they want in 2023. That's pretty good. Well, listen, good luck with it and thank you for coming on, Alex. And when are you coming back to do your real job? Uh, well, I might come back Monday if I can be bothered. Oh, OK. All right. Well, well, you won't get any appearance money for working extra bank holidays. But thank you very much indeed. Alex Farrell, newly elected councillor uh, for the Castle Ward in Tamworth. Many congratulations to him. The democracy is obviously alive and well in that part of the world. He's a very good man, is Alex, regardless of what I said about him. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.